Hello, everybody, and welcome to Jubilee Fellowship Church. Uh, my name is DJ, and I'm the campus pastor, along with my wife, Cami at Castle Rock Campus. But I am very, very excited to be with all of you in the greater JFC family uh, this weekend. Everybody here at our Lone Tree Campus, at uh, Lakewood, at Highlands Ranch Campus, uh, and of course, my beloved Castle Rock Campus. Look forward to being back with you all next weekend. Everybody listening online from around the world, we actually have a good number of folks, upward of 700 people uh, listening uh, on a regular basis online. And uh, so we want to welcome all of you, even though you, don't, might, you may not see each other, uh, you're part of something bigger as you watch in your living room or from wherever you may be watching. So we're glad that you're with us. Of course, everybody who will download the podcast later on, man, I just believe God has a word for us uh, this weekend. Um, hey, I wanted to start by sharing with you a story of something I heard that took place uh, down in uh, Texas, actually, at an airport down there. I think it was Dallas-Fort Worth. But uh, what happened was President uh, George W. Bush, uh, I miss him. Anyway, um, but that's, that's not what happened. Sorry, that was, no. Uh, the story was President George W. Bush was in the airport. He was in the terminal. He was walking down, and he actually, from a distance, saw a man with a long flowing robe, uh, a long white beard, long hair, and he seemed to be carrying uh, something like made out of stone, you know, like a couple of, I don't know, tablet looking things and so he actually was like you know caught his attention he's like what he's like hey hey you are you Moses and the man just kept on walking just completely ignored him and so you know President Bush not to be ignored and not used to that sort of thing said well by golly you know I'm gonna walk down this terminal and see if I can get his attention so he walked a little bit closer hey hey I'm talking to you and the man just kind of turned aside and started looking at like a magazine rack, you know, some of those books you can buy, snicker bars, gum, that kind of thing, and just completely ignored him some more. So finally, you know, President Bush was like, my goodness, you know, so he walked up there. It's about to get nuclear, you know, in here. Anyway, uh, sorry, unscripted. Anyway, so he, he got up there and he grabbed him by the elbow first and said, hey, I'm talking to you. Are you Moses? And the man kind of had no choice. He turned around and he said, Yes, I'm sorry. He said, I heard you calling my name, and I am Moses. I am the one that you're looking for. He says, I apologize for being rude. I apologize for ignoring you. He goes, you just have to remember that the last time that I stopped and talked to a bush, I wandered out in the desert for 40 years. It's like they say about marriage, folks. If you can get through the wedding, you can proudly survive the marriage. That's kind of like it is here at JFC. If you can get through the pastor's joke at the beginning, you can survive the rest of the message. So anyway, you can be glad. You're going to do okay. No, but we are uh, in uh, our Miracles and Mistakes, the Story of Moses series. And uh, I hope that you've had a chance to download Pastor John Leach's message from last weekend on uh, the beginning of Moses. Man, he challenged us uh, to lay down that which is in our hand. God doesn't want much, but he wants everything that's in our hand just as he wanted Moses' rod. And what happened? When Moses laid that thing down, God was able to actually do something supernatural. It came to life and accomplished the purposes of God, the supernatural purposes of God. And so I, I encourage you to go to jfc.org. If you haven't had a chance to listen to that message, you will be blessed by that. But we're picking it up here in week two. And uh, if I had to have uh, a title for this message, I would call it Moses Hidden by God. Hidden by God. You know, in Psalm 103, it actually speaks of and it refers to Moses. And it simply says this in verse 4 or 5. It says, God made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. 
And, you know, you might read that and go, oh, that's maybe the same thing, saying it in two different ways. But when you really stop and read it, it actually really is talking about two different things. It's saying, hey, everybody in Israel, all of the two, three, four million people, whoever, uh, whatever that number was, counting the women and children, saw the mighty acts of God. They saw the wonders of God. They saw the plagues. They saw the sea open up. But God revealed his ways to Moses. God has a way of doing things. God has uh, a process or a number of, of processes and, and systems and ways that he actually uses in people's lives. Now, I'm not saying, hey, let's put God in a box. Let's just kind of figure out how he does things, and there we go, and we can kind of call it a day. That's, of course, God always is fresh and new and creative and doing something slightly different than he did before. But I also believe that God does have ways which we can come to know. And clearly he revealed those ways to Moses. But I believe that God would have us, even this weekend, to learn a little bit more about his ways. Obviously, the enemy has his ways too, right? The enemy comes to steal, kill, destroy. We know that. Revelation 12 speaks of him as a dragon crouching over a woman in labor, just waiting to destroy that baby as soon as it was born. The enemy's always trying to destroy the things of God, to destroy the people of God, to destroy the purposes of God before they come to fruition. The good news is God is more powerful than the enemy. And also the good news is God has a way of hiding his people and hiding his purposes until such time as they're able to come to light and come into their destiny. And that's what we're going to talk about this weekend. Are you ready to jump in? Yeah. All right. Well, I'd like to start by reading from chapter 2 of Exodus and it's just three short verses there. It says this. Now a man from the house of Levi married a Levite woman, and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. But when she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with tar and pitch. Then she placed the child in it and put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. And we know the rest of the story that they commissioned Moses' older sister, Miriam, to kind of watch from the bank and make sure that the baby was okay. And as God would have it, that basket made its way to the area where the very daughter of Pharaoh, the king of the entire empire, went to bathe. And she found that basket, took out the baby, and she realized it was an Israelite baby. And she took him as her own, adopted him, and raised him in Pharaoh's court. In fact, had his natural mother uh, be the nurse that helped raise him. So we see the, the sovereignty of God even from the very beginning of the story of Moses. But here's what I believe. I believe if we look at the life of Moses, we actually see uh, at least three times when God hid Moses. And uh, perhaps you'll find more. That's okay if you do. But I'd like to highlight three of them. And here's why I want to do this. Because I believe that in the same way that God hid Moses, he oftentimes hides us. It's great to know he hid Moses, but I think it's more important to go, oh, wow. God actually uses this way of hiding us in order to protect us and in order to do something in our lives and in order ultimately to fulfill his purposes and receive great glory. Now, the three times that I see uh, Moses being hidden, the first time we just read about, when he was a baby, Pharaoh had actually commanded the soldiers uh, of Egypt to take every male newborn child from the Israelites and to throw him in the Nile River. 
I mean, stop to think about that. I mean, we know the story, and again, it's, you know, it's sanitized. Oh, yeah, we get it, and, you know, we kind of hear the music in the background, and just keep watching, kids. It gets better, you know, and all that. But think about the terror that that would have caused in every Israelite family. Think about a mom. We've got a number of moms that are getting ready to, to give birth, even here in our JFC family. Think about the horror of facing that situation, going, dear Lord, dear God, what are we going to do? What are we going to Turning to your husband and going, what can you do? Do something. And he's saying, well, I don't know what to do. I mean, you know, I'm unarmed. I'm a slave. I, I have no power. We have no way of defending ourselves. And that is the situation that the Israelites were facing when Moses was born. But it says there in that scripture that God put it in the heart of Moses' mom to hide him. She saw he was a fine child. And she hid him for three months and then put him in the basket. And you know what God did through that? God protected him from the destroyer. And I don't know about you. I do know about you. I know you've experienced God's protection from the hand of the destroyer. God is able to hide us from things that should have happened to us and things that should have come our way. And we don't understand what happened there. Man, an accident that should have happened. Or we should have lost our job. Or something should have gone wrong. Or the divorce should have been finalized. Or the kids should have run away from home like they were threatening to do. Or whatever it was. But we saw the protection of God. And we saw the hiding of God from the destroyer. The second time, or the second way in which I see God hiding Moses was when he was 40 years old. Pastor John told the story last week. He saw an Egyptian mistreating an Israelite slave, and he decided, well, maybe this is God's time to intervene. And so he killed the Egyptian. He buried him. But what happened? Pharaoh found out right away, and all of a sudden, Moses' life was in danger. And he fled to the other side of the desert for 40 years in the land of Midian. Wow. Talk about being hidden. Here's a guy who had been raised in the luxury of the king's palace. He had been raised with access to the best schools. He had been raised as a leader of men, as, as a diplomat, as royalty, as nobility, as one who would rule and command a nation. No doubt he had been taught economics. He had been taught logistics and warfare. He had been taught, uh, you know, everything that he, a person would need to know to be the ruler of an empire, and yet he found himself hidden by God on the backside of a mountain. Not for a month, not for six months or a year, or even a three-year season. He found himself there for 40 years, hidden. And you know what I believe God was doing? I believe God was hiding Moses from premature success. I believe God was hiding Moses from premature success. And guess what? I believe God hides you and me sometimes from premature success. You know, for us, we see it like, hey, there's good things and there's not so good things. And I want the good things. How many of you guys like, amen? You know, it's good to get a promotion. Can I get a witness? It's good to have our business idea be accepted and be said, wow, why did you come up with this? Yeah, it's good to have favor and have friends. Ladies, it's good to be kind of the one that gets to decide where you're going to go on that play date to the park, right? You get to choose it because everybody's like, well, I want to go wherever she goes, you know. It's good, right? We see it in a two-dimensional way. But God sees more than we see. And he can even see what will happen if we succeed prematurely. And we don't go through the process of hiding so that he can do what he wants to do in our lives and prepare us for eternal fruitfulness and eternal success and for his ultimate will 
to be fulfilled in our lives. I believe that that's what was happening in Moses' life. The third way I see God hiding him is when he was, uh, had uh, been used of God to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt, and they had seen the power of God, they had seen the ten plagues, they had seen the sea open up, they saw the fire on the mountain. I mean, man, it was like, wow, God is showing his glory here. But Moses asked God this in chapter 33 of Exodus, God, I want to see your glory. God, he had just gotten done asking God, God, go with us. If you don't go with us, God, it's not worth it. I'm not going. He kind of did one of those, <laughs> I'm planting my feet. I'm putting my foot down because God had said, man, you know what? You guys better go on ahead because the way you're acting, I'm liable to, you know, send a lightning bolt or something. And Moses said, man, God, if you don't come with us, we are not going up from this place. But then he asked God, God, show me your glory. And you know what God said? Hey, you can't see my face for no one can see my face and live, but I will hide you. What, what was that word? I will hide you in the cleft of the rock and I will allow my presence and my goodness to pass by and I will declare my name, the Lord, the God who is merciful and compassionate, who extends his mercy to thousands but judges to the third and fourth generation. And, and he declared that before him and then he removed his hand and Moses was able to see the glory of God as it had passed by. Wow. I believe that when God hides us, it's for our good. When God hides us, it's for our good and for his glory. Have you ever been hidden by God? I believe there's some people listening this weekend who are going, wow, you know what? Maybe I'm hidden by God right now. Here's the deal. How do you know if you're being hidden by God? Well, let me tell you what it feels like. Now, there's kind of two parts of being hidden. The first one is like being hidden from the destroyer. Can you say that's cool? That's fun. Okay, better than the alternative, right? Better than being killed or devoured or destroyed. Are we together? Okay, that's awesome. When God hides me from the destroyer, man, I experienced that one time when I was in college. I was actually working at a lumber yard after I went to classes in the morning and I would work in the afternoons. And they probably have a couple pictures they can throw up. Uh, I want to apologize in advance. I do have a mustache with no beard, uh, you know, so if that's offensive, uh, turn away maybe cover the children's eyes. But that was me back in the back there uh, with very, very large glasses and a hard hat. And we were, you, know, you can see my bulging muscles there uh, as I lifted, you know, T-bars and, uh, and an entire, uh, you, know, pal uh, you know, unit of wood. Uh, there may have been a little forklift involved as well. But anyway, the point was, uh, that was my job and, and I was working hard. But one day I got in and uh, the assistant manager of the store called from home and said, man, I slept in and I'm going to be late, but I wanted to see who was out there in the yard. And I was the senior yard guy, you know, that we helped load people with, you know, bags of concrete and bricks and two by fours and things like that, you know, building supplies. And so he's like, oh, good, DJ. Good. It's you. I can, I can be at ease. I'm like, absolutely, sir. DJ Smith, that, you know, uh, everything is under control. So what happened was about five minutes later, I realized a forklift needed to be refueled. So I took the forklift over to the edge of the yard where the large propane tank was, you know, those big white propane tanks. And so I, uh, on the back of the forklift is, is this, you know, stainless steel looking 
tank about this big, and uh, you have to grab the large hose from the large white propane container, and then you have to attach it, and you actually have to screw it on, and it is a brass fitting, and it doesn't just come off easily. You know, you got to screw that thing on, and it's on there once it's on there. So I did that. Everything was going great, but all of a sudden, a customer came, and I had to leave the forklift refueling and go load some two-by-fours. So I did that, loaded the two-by-fours, and then I was all happy and initialed their little receipt for them. Hey, make sure you tell them DJ did a great job helping you, you know, and all that. And then uh, I, uh, I got back in the fork and I was like, oh man, I got to go, you know, move that pallet of wood. So I grabbed it, put it in gear, put the pedal to the metal. For about six feet, everything was normal. <laughs> but about the seventh foot, as I left in that, you know, 4,000 pound solid iron forklift, I felt the most severe jolting you could ever imagine. And the whole thing vibrated and the forks clanged. And I was like, what in the world happened? I looked back and I saw like a large serpent spewing white gas going everywhere. And I was like, ah! And I didn't know what to do. And I just froze. I was senior commander, DJ Smith, ready for any emergency. That's what I told the assistant manager of the store five minutes before. But all of a sudden, I'm like, ha, ha. And I just, I just froze. I just panicked. I couldn't think of what to do. So I went into the warehouse, and I kind of went into where my friend Tim was helping some customers. I'm like, uh, so, uh, hey, Tim, uh, you going to be done soon? Uh, why don't you come out here real quick? No, it's nothing too urgent, but, you know, can you just follow me out here? And so we asked, I'm like, I don't know what to do. It's going everywhere, and it'll freeze your arm off. You know, it's, and it was kind of like when Moses, you know, cast down, you know, the, 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 the rod, and it became a serpent and a living thing. You know, that's kind of what it was like. And I didn't know what to do. So he actually was, of course, had more presence of mind and calm. So he kind of snuck up on the big white container and, you know, shut off the master valve. And, of course, the serpent died. We were all able to breathe once again. Blood slowly returned to my face. But here's the deal. That same day, I went on to do a bunch of other things. And you know what? By every calculation, I should have been fired that day. No joke. I did two or three very, very... I wasn't trying to, to destroy things. It just came naturally to me. I don't know. I, maybe there's a, another spiritual gift, you know? Warehouse destruction. I don't know. Testing things, you know? What could possibly go wrong? Well, DJ will find out. Anyway, I should have been fired. But you know what? God hid me. God, I needed that job. I needed that insurance. We were having babies. We were in college. God hid me from the destroyer. And I believe, I'm sure you've probably experienced at one time or another in your life the hiding of God. But unfortunately, God's hiding process isn't just hiding us from the destroyer. He does that, and thank God for that, right? We're all thankful he can hide us from the destroyer. But you know what? God also hides us from our own premature success, and God also hides us for other purposes. And I wanted to take a look at that today. Uh, what does it feel like? How do you know if you're being hidden by God. Well, let me tell you what. This is what it may feel like. Are you ready? Wow. I've been working at this office for six years. I've been staying later than everybody else stays. I've been coming early and alphabetizing things and getting everything organized. I've been doing everything I know how to do. I have accepted more responsibility. And then last week, when they said that there was a new office manager position open, Sally got chosen before me. Ah! I've been overlooked. I've been passed over. I've been unjustly denied. I cry out for justice. Where's 2020? You know, that's what it feels like. It's not fun to be hidden sometimes. 
You know what? Maybe it's a ministry door. Man, it's my passion to begin this ministry. And then I came to this church and the pastor said, well, hey, let's pray about that for a little bit and see what God does. What do you mean let's pray about that? Of course God wants to do this. What? Boom. The door shuts in your face. Or maybe it's an idea that you've had to start your own business or an idea for the corporation that you're a part of. And all of a sudden you thought, man, this was the ticket. This was what was going to open doors for you. This is what was going to put you on the map. They were truly going to see how valuable you are to this organization through this idea. And all of a sudden, boom, somebody else suggests it right before you do and gets all the credit. And you're like, are you serious? What, what are you doing here, God? What, I thought you were for me. And it feels like we've been passed over. It feels like we've been put on the shelf and left there to rot. It feels like you've been ignored. It might feel like you're invisible. Maybe you've tried to share a hope or a dream that you have with a very close friend. Maybe even your husband or your wife. And you thought it was going to be like, oh, wow, that is the coolest thing I've ever heard. Oh, let's pray about that right now. And let's just believe God. Yes, Lord, we stand in faith and we believe that's going to. And instead what you got was dream killer. Am I the only one who's experienced that? Come on, people. You know what? Hey, and it's, it's not that someone else is trying to be mean, to be insane. But, but hey, we didn't get, right, the faith, the vote of confidence, the encouragement, the, the support that we wanted to have. Okay, you know what? You might be heading into a season of hiding. God may be hiding you for a purpose. And here's the good news in all this is that if you are in a season of hiding, if you're not, it's kind of like trials and testing. You know, you're either coming out of hiding, you are in hiding, or probably at some point soon, you're headed into hiding. Okay, it's just one of those ways, one of God's ways that seems to come around at different times in our lives to fulfill the purposes of God. But here's what I want you to hear. You can be in that season of hiding where things aren't clicking on all cylinders, where the gifts and talents that are inside of you are not being recognized, where people seem to have closed the door for you or pushed you away or rejected you for someone else or whatever it may be, and you may be right in the center of God's will. You may be right where God wants you to be because He is hiding you for His good purpose. Now, here's the deal. If we ask ourselves, okay, I mean, why does God hide me? I mean, you know, I hide stuff, and sometimes it's because I'm ashamed of it. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you come to my house unannounced, and you hear behind the front door some commotion, maybe a dog barking, doors slamming, you know, dirty socks being thrown into closets, uh, you know, uh, wrapping things in a towel and throwing it in the laundry room and, you know, closing the door. Hello, come on in, you know. Putting dishes, you know, in the, you know, pantry. <coughs> dirty, di you know, what, no, I'm just kidding. Whatever, right? Sometimes we hide stuff that we're ashamed of. That's not what we're talking about here. In fact, Completely to the contrary. Let me read you what it says in Hebrews 11, verse 23. It's speaking of the same story, and it says this. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw, get this, he was no ordinary child. 
I thought that was pretty good. Okay, let me read that again. This is why he was hidden. He was hidden for three months after he was born because they saw he was what? No ordinary child. Say no ordinary child. Does that sound like someone is ashamed of him? Does that sound like someone thinks he's just mediocre and let's hide him? No, they risked their lives to hide baby Moses because he was extraordinary. Because there was something different about this one. Because somehow I believe God has a plan for this one. And I don't know exactly what that looks like, but you know what? I'm going to risk everything and take one step at a time and do what I can to hide him. They hid him because he was no ordinary child. And guess what the result was? They were not afraid of the king's edict. I want to tell you, God doesn't hide men and women because he's ashamed of us. God doesn't hide you because he's rejected you. God doesn't hide you because he kind of lost hope in the possibility of using you for his glory. If you are in a season of hiding, I believe it's because you are no ordinary child and because God knows what he's put inside of you. And God knows the process that needs to take place. He knows the ways he's going to use to prepare you, to forge your character, to deepen your faith, and to prepare you one day to step through that door into your ultimate purpose and your destiny. Be encouraged. Be encouraged. You are extraordinary. Here's the deal. We, in our culture, celebrate the revealing of things, right? Would you agree with that? What about the word uh, getting discovered? Anybody heard that word? Now, I know that I've heard you guys are very, very spiritual at this campus. I know at Castle Rock, people sometimes watch like American Idol or like, you know, X Factor. I mean, sinful, worldly, worldly shows like that. I'm not saying I would watch a show like that, but I, I've heard of them. I've heard of shows like that. Have you heard of them? Okay, we can at least agree that they exist. But here's the deal about those shows. Everybody celebrates the discovering of an artist, right? Everybody celebrates like, you remember a couple years ago, there was a guy named Josh Kratchik, and he used to make burritos. That was his job. And he had, you know, kind of long sort of unkept hair and, you know, he probably wasn't as fit as maybe the average artist might be or the average person on TV might be and, and all that. But he, they gave him a microphone and he had this audition and he opened his mouth and it was like, I don't remember what song he sang, but it was, well, it was probably a little bit better than that. Hence, I'm here, he was on X Factor. Anyway, but the whole point was it was like, I mean, I was like, be quiet, kids, you know, this man could sing. And it was like, turn the volume up, turn the rewind. Oh, my goodness. And it was like, where has this guy been all of our lives? But guess what? That's what the judges were thinking, too. Even Simon Cowell, mind you. That guy's not easy to impress. So I'm just saying, all of a sudden, everybody's celebrating. Wow, you've got talent. Man, you're going to go places. Man, how can we invest in this guy? Man, this guy's got the possibility to make a $5 million contract, get the tour bus, the whole bit, right? Everybody celebrates the revealing. Everybody celebrates the discovering. Everybody's like, wow, you know what? Any TV producer, anybody with a bunch of cameras can do that part. But guess what God's in the business of doing? God is not just in the business of revealing. He's not just in the business of the discovery. He's in the business of the hiding, 
of the working the entire time and then of the revealing. Isn't that cool? That's the God zone. You know, people don't want so much of that, right? We don't hear like big parties with confetti like, so-and-so is going into hiding and it appears they have no talent whatsoever. <laughs> Woo! All of their ideas that their business are going to be shot down. Woo! Oh, did you ever know that you're my... No, it doesn't happen. It doesn't make for good television, Right? There's no punchline. There's no sort of 30-second little bam, you know, trailer that we can show and, and hook people. There's nothing fun about the hiding. It's all the fun is in the revealing. But guess what? God is in the entire process because he's committed to you. God is more excited about what he is doing in your life and about what he's put inside of you and about what he's going to do through you than you are. Check this out. Romans chapter 8, verse 19. Romans 8 is obviously one of probably most of our favorite passages of Scripture. And so encouraging, and all things work together for the good of those who you know, love God and are called according to His purpose. But a little bit later, or a little bit before that actually, it says this. All of creation is eagerly waiting for the sons of God to be revealed. Now, all of creation, think about that, right? The streams... The forests that we hear about on Duck Dynasty, or maybe some of you actually see them for yourselves. <laughs> some of us live vicariously, you know, through Discovery Channel. You know, all creation, the trees, the fish, the mountains, the waterfalls, the birds, the bears, all of it is eagerly waiting for the sons, and of course we could add the daughters of God to be revealed. Now, here's the deal. I know that speaks of a time and a place when Jesus will come back and we will be revealed, you know, in the fullness of his glory. But I believe God was, was stirring me as I was thinking about this message this weekend. Hey, it's not just about then. But there is, a, there is an expectation in creation. In an el elsewhere in that chapter, it says all of creation groans, right? And, and so there's an expectation to go, oh, man, Oh, man, I can't wait for her to be revealed in the purpose of God. Oh, God is going to use you, woman, to, to go and take those kids to the park and, and maybe to share a word one day with someone else that's going to rock them and their family and will set them free in Jesus. And they will become new creatures and they will have hope and they will have joy and their marriage may be restored or whatever God wants to do. And all of creation is like, yes! Or perhaps you, sir, got to say, man, it doesn't look good now. But I'm telling you what, I've put some things in you that are going to revolutionize where you work. And I'm going to raise your influence. And I'm going to raise your stature. And I'm going to give you authority to speak into people's lives. And to direct resources and to make things happen that will ultimately not only bless those people involved, but the kingdom of God. God is more excited about bringing to pass his purpose for you than even you or I are. Isn't that cool? He is committed to you. And he is committed from start to finish, the hiding, the working on us in that hiding place, and then the revealing. And I'm telling you what, as good as he can hide, and believe me, if you're in that hiding place, you know, you know, it can be tough. He's pretty good sometimes at hiding us. Sometimes like, wow, God, really? 
like, just statistically, I'm kind of due for a break here. You know, it's not even about the goodness of God. It's like, I think I'm due for one. Like, everybody else around the table, all the Satan worshipers, you know, have had their raises. <laughs> That's kind of like what David said in the Psalms. Like, hey, you know, the wicked are prospering. Everybody's having a great time except me. Sometimes it feels that way. God's pretty good at hiding, but guess what? He's really good at revealing as well. And Revelation chapter 12 says this, or excuse me, chapter 3, Jesus is talking to the church in, uh, in um, Philadelphia. And he says this, I am the one who opens doors and no one can close them, and who closes doors and no one can open them. I'm telling you what, when Jesus decides now, your season of hiding is over, I'm bringing you out. I'm going to give you influence. I'm going to give you authority. I'm going to give you boldness. I'm going to give you a platform. I'm going to give you a word. I'm going to give you an idea. I'm going to give you a plan. I'm going to give you a relationship. I'm going to give you a marriage. Whatever it is, buckle up. I'm telling you what. God is able to bring that thing to pass and do it quickly. He's able to do it suddenly. And we've talked about that. So be encouraged. God is excited about what he is going to to bring about. Now, here's the question then that we're left with is, okay, all right, so I think I can believe that, that, that God is hiding me if that's how, if that's the season of your life that you're in because he loves me. Okay, and I believe that God hides to protect from the destroyer. I believe that he hides, you know, to keep us from premature success so that when we truly do succeed, it's through his way, through his plan, through his spirit, and we know it. All the glory goes to him. But man, is there something I can be doing? Perhaps you've prayed to yourself or to the Lord, God, what do you expect from me? I'm tired of being in this hiding place. I'm tired of, you know, not being the one that gets noticed, of not being the one whose doors are open for them, of not being the one that gets prospered or gets heard or gets honored or, or gets used by you in a great way. God, when's my time going to come? God, what can I do? God, what do you want from me? Have you ever prayed that prayer? It's a tough prayer. But it's one that probably you will pray if you haven't yet as a believer because God does take us through those seasons of hiding. And I want to share with you three things that I believe we can be doing during that hiding time to cooperate with God, right? Things become easier as we choose to cooperate. That's a big part of it. And go, okay, God, all right. All right, I'm in hiding. What do you want me to be doing? God, how can I be cooperating with? What are you trying to accomplish, right? So here's three simple things. The first one is this, persevere in faith. Persevere in faith. I mean, man, even rock bands know. You know, don't stop believing, right? I mean, come on. They're prophesying to us. And then it gets, you know, sung by gleeful people. You know, over and over on our TV screens. But here's the deal. It's true. That place of hiding is the place where God is saying, hey, don't stop believing. In fact, we just came out of a series called Believe. If you didn't hear that, I encourage you to download that. Man, we went through several different stories of miraculous things that took place in the New Testament and ways in which Jesus showed the power of God in people's lives, healing them, restoring them. But here was the common denominator. People believed. People deepened their faith in Jesus through that process. 
we, we, we read and heard about you know, the four guys that carried the paralytic and completely demolished the innocent bystander's roof, right? Um, think about that claim, you know, to State Farm. Like, what happened here? This is not normal hail damage. <laughs> uh, well, four guys showed up and just tore it apart and lowered a guy, you know. Okay, here's your $8,000, you know, thank you. Uh, but here's the deal. They believed. They believed something good was going to happen. They believed that God was full of mercy, that Jesus was filled with love, that he had the power to change the situation. And sure enough, it says when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man, your sins are healed. And then he went on to heal his body and sent him walking and praising God. You know what? In the place of hiding is when it can be toughest to believe. Because, hey, when everything's popping, and when everything's going right, the right way, oh, yeah, woohoo! I'm chosen. Hey, I'm one of God's favorite. Hey, woo! You know, and we're just like, hey, hallelujah. You know, you get even a little crazy. You even, like, say things like hallelujah when everything's going good. You know what I'm saying? You all of a sudden just become, like, the model Christian. Everybody's like, man, he just got spiritual all of a sudden. Yeah. <laughs> God brought him out of hiding. <laughs> He's praising God. But in the hiding place, it's tougher to believe. Because nobody else sees anything much to speak of going on. It's kind of, hey, nothing to see here, folks. Just keep on walking. You know what I'm saying? You have those cones around you, four orange cones with a sign. Nothing much happening. Just keep walking. <laughs> that ain't fun. But that's part of being in the hiding place. But here's the deal. Pastor John said over the last few weeks, when we thank God and praise him and believe him after we've seen his power, what is that? That's gratitude. And that's good. And we want to be grateful people. And we want to thank God. And that's awesome to have an opportunity to do that. And you will have opportunities many times over in your life to thank God and praise Him. Man, God, you're so good. Thank you, Jesus. You're so, you've, you've shown us your provision. You've shown us your mercy. You've done what we asked for. You've done what we prayed for. But there is a moment before we see the power of God. There's a time when we're in hiding. And we're like, man, I believe that God is going to do this thing. Honey, husband, wife, whatever, kids, I believe that God's calling me to do this or that one day this will happen. I don't know how. I don't know how we'll pay for it. I don't know how it's going to work. I don't, I don't have any idea, but I just, I can't help but believe there's something inside of me. There's a seed that God has planted. That's when the faith is growing. That's when, man, in that critical place of being hidden, God is causing you to believe. It's a powerful thing. I've got a friend named Ken. And uh, he was sharing with me earlier this week of how he was laid off about a year ago. And he had a great job that paid the bills and security and all those things. And it was like, all of a sudden, boom, crisis moment. You know what I'm saying? That's one of those like, oh, oh hey, wait a minute. What are you doing here, God? Right? And he didn't find a job right away. And it seemed like, oh, man, what? You know, and all of a sudden it seemed like God was hiding him from those other job opportunities and those other open doors. And he began to go, what are you doing, God? And all of a sudden, God began to lead him to the area of his passion, which is photography. And he began to invest some time, and he began to believe some things about his purpose in life. And he began to invest some money, and he began to, to learn and to strategize and go, okay, what would it look like if I actually began to take a direction and step out in faith? Instead of just going back to another cubicle and having security, what would it look like over here? And, and, and God was speaking to him and encouraging him and drawing him. 
and he's a tremendous photographer. He photographs trains and, and uh, classic trains and different things, and it's amazing. And all of a sudden, God began to, to lead him on a path, and he was looking in my eyes, and man, it was like fire in his eyes going, you know what? I'm not there yet. He goes to different shows. He travels around. This last weekend, he was at a show in Council Bluffs, Iowa, the largest train show in the country. And he, to save money, slept in his car. Council Bluffs, Iowa, February. Okay, you do the math. Getting up every three hours, turning the car on to get the heat going. Okay, the next night his wife and baby came and they got a motel and all that. But just to try to, to, try to be as wise as possible. Okay, that's a man I can respect. But here's what caught me about it. He said, I'm living my dream. I'm living my dream. It's, I'm, not, I'm not completely out of the hiding place. But I can already see that God is doing something so good in this. I'm alive. I'm enjoying it. I'm growing. My gifts are being used. And one day, I believe those gifts are going to be used to help missionaries tell their story. And then I left that Starbucks, and I'm like, you know, I'm just kind of shaking like, well, what am I believing for? You know? <laughs> I'm like, man, I mean, I thought I was living the dream. But man, that challenged me. It rocked me to my core. Because it's not just about at the end when, yeah, the provision floods in and everything's clicking. He already knows in the hiding place, I'm believing God. I'm hearing his voice. He is guiding me. He's directing me. He's showing me how to do it. And he's proving his faithfulness to me day in and day out. I want to encourage you, man and woman of God, even if you're not at the end of the hiding season, God wants to be building your faith. He wants to be showing you things, maybe little things, maybe big things, but to grow your confidence in him. That's what happened to Moses on the backside of that mountain. He saw the power of God. He saw the wonders of the Lord that one day he would use to walk into the Pharaoh's court and demand, let my people go. God is saying, hey, I want to show you my supernatural power in the wilderness, in the hiding place. Are you looking? Will you let me show you? The second thing that God wants us to be doing during the hiding place is deepening our intimacy with him. Deepening our intimacy with him. You know what? The hiding place is actually kind of an incubator for intimacy, if you will. It, it, if you've experienced both the hidden place where not everything's going right, and man, it seems like, okay, click, click, you know, clocking in, clocking out, and I don't really feel very appreciated. I don't really feel, I'm not really having a lot of fun yet, you know, and that kind of thing. In whatever particular area of my life, you know, maybe it's you're lonely because you moved from a different state or a different city, and man, it takes time to make friendships, and man, I'm lonely. I don't know why we moved here. Would have been better to stay, you know, whatever the area of your life might be. But you know what? There is an opportunity that we have to draw near to God in the place of hiding when we're not distracted by all of the blessings of God. Does that make sense? Because all of the blessings of God and the prosperity and the seeing everything, man, going according to plan and the growth and the God's goodness and, and just reward and favor pouring in, it can almost at times be a distraction. And God is so merciful. He wants us in many times, you know, to have those things. But you know what I've found in my life, when I think back, when were the times that I was on my face before God? When were the times that I was like, God, tell me I'm not a total loser, you know, because nobody else will, right? I don't even know if I'm not. God, you speak to me. You're my father. I need to hear your voice 
Tell me who I am. Tell me that you've chosen me for something. I don't care what it is, large or small, but just speak to me that you have a plan. God, you're my treasure. You know what? It's not ministry for me, or maybe for you it's business, or whatever it may be. But it's like, God, that's not the source of my joy. You're the source of my joy. And you know what? Man, we can find a joy in Jesus and an intimacy with him in that place of hiding that's hard to find when everything is clicking. So if God has you in that place, don't waste it. Don't waste it. Turn aside to see what that burning bush might be. Take advantage, as we heard last week from Pastor John, of the ways throughout the day that God may be saying, hey, psst, hey, come away with me. Hey, psst, you're driving your car, you're having a cup of coffee, you're on a lunch break, you know, whatever it may be. And God's just saying, psst, hey, I want to talk to you. Hey, I want to show you something. Hey, would you, would you come away? God is calling you to that place of intimacy with him. The third thing that I believe God would have us to be aware of in the way in which we can cooperate with him is he wants to shape our attitude towards authority during that time. During that time of hiding, check this out. So God takes Moses at the age of 40. He kills the Egyptian. He goes to hide. And he comes on the far side of the desert to this place called Midian. And there's these shepherd girls, and he helps them get water. And all of a sudden, they get introduced to this older man named Jethro, who was the, their father. And sure enough, Moses marries one of the daughters, becomes a shepherd under the covering and in the household of this man named Jethro. Now, here's what's interesting. Moses had been raised for 40 years in the court of Egypt. He had been raised learning all that there was to learn as a future leader of the world. And you know what the Egyptians thought about shepherds? That was the most despised and the most ridiculed and the most uh, uh, disgusting profession to the Egyptians. Read the story in Genesis when Joseph brought the entire family and Jacob and all of his brothers came down and he said, uh, could we have the land of Goshen? Because shepherding is despicable to the Egyptians and that way we'll kind of have our own place where we can have our flocks. And the Pharaoh at that time said, okay, go ahead and take it. So he gave him the lush land of Goshen. So think about this. The man who had been raised to make fun or to despise or to look down upon shepherds finds himself on the other side of the desert with a bunch of stinky, smelly sheep doing the very thing that he had been taught to despise. You know what? Sometimes God in that hiding process will take us and will put us in a place where we're like, oh my goodness, seriously, God? You've got to be kidding me! <laughs> but it's God's wisdom. It's his commitment to his process and his ways in our life. Because in that place, we have an opportunity to learn to submit to authority to learn to embrace someone else's covering. You know, I think if I asked in the room and at all of our campuses, hey, do you want to serve Jesus? Are you going to do whatever he tells you? Absolutely, count me in, sign me up. I will serve Jesus. I will go wherever he, you know. You know, onward Christian soldiers, you know. We're in the army of the Lord. But if God says, hey, I'm going to bring you here to a place where there is a imperfect, sinful, human authority and person whom I've delegated my authority to, I'd like for you to come and kind of watch flocks for them. Or I'd like you to help out over here at, uh, you know, children's ministry. 
Or I'd like you to, you know, go over here and pray for these folks or get involved with the elderly or, you know, whatever, or serve your boss at work and you don't like him or you don't like her and they don't get you and why should you? And ho you're hoping they get fired so you get, you know, whatever it might be, you've got an opportunity. God is saying, will you choose to be teachable? Will you choose to learn everything I have for you to learn? Will you choose to come under that person's authority and their mantle of covering? And here's the deal. That's a tough one. Man, that's a tough lesson. I wrestled with that one. Oh my goodness. I told the pastor that I worked for in South Dakota, there will be a church planted in the inner city. Well, okay, first of all, inner city in South Dakota. That right there is, anyway. But you know, more inner city than where the church that we were serving at was. I was like, there will be a church planted and I'm going to be the pastor of it. Okay, when you tell your boss and your pastor that, here we are, 17 years later, guess what? There is not a church, at least not one that I'm the pastor of in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. But God was working out of me all of that stuff towards authority. He had to do it. There's no shortcut around it. That's the same thing that was taking place in Moses' life. He was learning to submit to Jethro, learning to watch sheep, learning to be faithful, learning to serve another man's vision. And honor authority. And you know what? As a result of that, there came a time when after the people had been set free from Egypt. Uh-oh. Did I? Okay, there we go. After the people had been uh, released from Egypt and they were out in the desert, they had seen the fire come on the mountain. They had seen the miracles. They were, you know, following uh, the cloud by day and the fire by night. Jethro came to Moses and brought him his wife. Uh, again, she may have been out of the picture during the, the, uh, the process of leaving Egypt. But he saw what Moses was doing, and he was, from sunup till sundown, he was sitting there listening to everyone's problems. And if you can imagine, a church of two million, what that line must have looked like, right? Like, you know, take a number, 700,000 and 4,300, and, you know, it was like not an easy deal, right? Pastor Larry's laughing. He might feel like that sometimes with the counseling load. But here's the deal. He was able to say, Moses, what you're doing is not good. You've got to take of the spirit that is in you and put it on other people who can then serve the people and serve the purposes of God. And then they can take up that spirit and put it on. And it was a multiplication process that in leadership development, we call it the Jethro principle. And it was because it's sustainable. It keeps a person from completely burning out. And it does a much better job of ministering to the needs of people than one person could ever do. Guess what? You're part of that vision. Pastor John buys into the Jethro principle. Hence, we have four and soon to be more campuses where people can be fed, where there's pastoral care, where there's relationships and discipleship. But here's the deal. Moses would have never gotten that advice that probably saved his life, let alone was instrumental in blessing the people of God as they moved forward if he had not built the relationship during those 40 years in the desert. If he had not come under the authority and the covering of Jethro, he would have forfeited all the wisdom, all the counsel, all the goodness that God had for him. I want to encourage you. God has good things for you. Don't forfeit that. Don't forfeit that by, ah, I'm out of here. I don't have to put up with this. Who do they think they are? Man, I'm Man, if you can say, God, would you do a work in me? God, give me grace. I know sometimes, listen, I'm sure people working for me feel the same way. Oh, God, help me, Lord. Work for Pastor DJ. Oh, no one knows. Sometimes I hear people singing, no one knows the troubles I've seen. I just walk on by. I don't, I don't want to know why they're singing that song, but it's probably about me. But here's the deal. If we hang in there, if we ask for the grace of God to persevere, 
If we ask him to build our faith in those times, if we ask him to deepen our intimacy with him and to, to, to turn aside and pursue him, then you know what's gonna happen? We're gonna be ready when the time comes. And guess what? That time is coming. Church, God has great purposes that he's put inside of you. I don't know what they are. Sir, God may have an idea that's gonna revolutionize the industry that you work in. Ma'am, God may have an idea for you in your workplace to change the atmosphere and make it a place where there's warmth and caring and genuine love, whatever it might be. Young man or woman, maybe you're trying to figure out, man, do I go back to college? What am I, where's my life headed? I don't know, it's out of whack, I'm off, I'm derailed. You're not derailed. God knows where you are. He has a purpose in you and he may have hidden you for a season, but he's gonna reveal you. And when he does, it's gonna be awesome. You're going to see the power of God. You're going to see the love of God and his glory flowing through you like never before. Do you want to be ready for that? Yeah. I'll end with this story. When we moved here in 2000, we moved here to start a bilingual, multicultural church in inner city Denver. My wife and uh, I think we had yeah, three kids at the time. And we did the whole church plant thing, you know, setting up sound, tearing down, you know, all the speakers and guitars and everything was in the back of my little pickup truck and, you know, driving. We rented a house in uh, South Glen area and then drove downtown to Cole neighborhood, just downing in 34th Street somewhere, you know, Bruce Randolph up in there. And we would do children's evangelism and we'd put on the, the big, you know, mascot you know, things, and we dance and sing and puppets and whatever, right? Use a car battery for the sound system, the whole bit. But after a couple years of that, man, we grew it to 55 people. It was like, woohoo! Print the t-shirts, baby! We're going global! You know, DJ Smith Ministries International.org. You know, I went to Tijuana once. Anyway. <laughs> but then we sort of got it right back down to a manageable size of about 15 or 17 people, you know. So it was like, okay, thank you, Lord, you know. Well, I can actually disciple these. We're going to go deep. We're going to be the deep church, you know. Anyway. What happened was, man, I was burnt out. I was tired. I was working a full-time job. I was learning, you know, worship music that was led with an accordion and a boom, 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 boom. Bum, bum, bum. Anyway, I'll sing it for you sometime. Now's not the time for that. Anyway, there's a message to preach here. But, uh, but you know, I was tired. I was angry. And I remember mowing my lawn at, uh, out in South Glen on High Street there. And I was, man, I was letting God have, you know, sometimes... Sometimes you just got to just go, you know what I'm saying? And I mean, thank God that he's big enough to handle us and not to, you know, send the lightning bolt, which we deserve. But man, I was, I was mowing the lawn. It was like, God, you are not doing your job. I left everything. I moved my family here. I am working my tail off. I, it, would it hurt you that much if one person got saved once in a while? Would it kill you to heal someone just... Once a month, you know, I'm going door to door. We're photocopying flyers. We're doing stuff in Spanish and in English. And you know what I'm saying? I was mad. I was like, God, I am doing everything. You are not doing it. Nothing. Well, yeah, you know, I was so mad. I was like double negatives. I mean, that's how mad I was. Anyway. <laughs> but it didn't just stop there. Then it went to like, God, you're not just not doing your part. You know what I'm saying? If you were my junior partner, you'd be fired. I'm just being honest. Okay, it's a two-way, you know, we both need to pull our weight here. You do all the cool supernatural stuff, and I do the little, you know, flyers and, you know, stuff like that, right? The human part. But 
then I really began to go, you know what? It's not just that you're not supporting me. It's that you're actually actively opposing me. I'm like, you know what? If some Hare Krishna guy that's not preaching Jesus and doesn't have the Holy Spirit comes to this neighborhood, ding, 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 he's going to have like 150 people tithing. I'm just like, that's wrong. But you know what? I really do believe God had me in a season of hiding. And there might have been some truth to the fact that, you know, I might have been more successful than I was, even just statistically. You know what I'm saying? Um, just, you know, play the right kind of music and say the right kind of jokes and, you know, have good looks and stuff like that. You know what I mean? You know, the church will grow. But here's the deal. God was going, uh-uh, mm-mm, not yet. Nope, 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 not going to let you succeed there. Nope, not going to let that. He was literally, I believe, I'm sharing, this is, I know I'm being facetious and humorous, but, but I really believe God was actually keeping it from growing which seems like, what? But I thought he wants people saved. He wants people, yeah, but he's bigger than DJ Smith Ministries International.org. Okay, don't look that up. It's not a real domain. Anyway, <laughs> but here's what happened. Man, I was broken. And eventually, man, I was just, I didn't know what to do. And I was so humiliated. And I was working with all these 20-something young ladies making, you know, next to nothing. And they were bossing me around. I'm like, man, I'm a father of three kids, four kids by then. You know, I'm a pastor. I mean, this is... <laughs> I don't get to boss anybody around. You know what I'm saying? That's no fun. I told my wife one time, I'm like, honey, I am nothing in God's eyes and I am nothing in man's eyes. And I don't know if God is ever gonna do anything through me again in ministry. But this is what I know. He wants me to provide for my family. I don't have, you know, the whole ministry thing might have been a joke. I might have been delusional when I thought God had called me to, I'm serious, God had called me to ministry. But I said, he wants me to provide. So I'm just asking him to give me a job. You know, to be a dad, to be a husband. I, I know that. I know God wants me to do that. And I was broken. And I remember going to Junior Achievement one in March of 2003. I went into the boardroom at 7 o'clock in the morning. There was nobody there yet. And I got on my knees and I was like, God, I just, you know what? I give up. What do you want? You know what? I'm going to cooperate. With, what are you trying to, you know, I'm trying to build the church here. Evidently, you're not. So, you know what? Let's scrap my plan. What's your plan? And I just surrendered. And I said, okay, I'm here at Junior Achievement. It's paying the bills. I'm just going to be the best little program manager, you know, and let 20-somethings boss me around and with a good attitude and smile, you know, and do what, what, what you've put before me to do in the hidden place. And you know what happened? Three months later, we were attending JFC. I would cry my way through the services. You know, Pastor John would preach, and I would just feel like God was just washing over me. And three months later, the worship pastor resigned. And I was like, oh. I used to do worship, albeit with an accordion and a stand-up <laughs> bass guitar, but that's interesting. I submitted my resume. It was the least qualified by far resume. Pastor John believes he heard a word from God. I'll leave it up to you to decide, but he was like, hey, hire DJ. <laughs> he obeyed <laughs> what he felt God was telling him to do. All of a sudden, within six months by September, I was on staff at JFC, and God began to take me out of that hiding place and began, you know, and I'm, saying, I'm not saying I'm arrived or anything like that, but I just mean it, it felt like there was a shift. It felt like, oh, wow, you know what I'm saying? There's some oxygen and, oh, wow, we're meeting people and, oh, wow, you know, we're able to pay the bills and, oh, wow, you know, God is using us for something, you know, other than helping kids understand free enterprise, which is a cool thing, but, you know, not, not ultimately where I wanted to go with my life. Um, you know what? God wants to do the same with you. Your story might not be the same as mine. It might not be the same timeline, 
It might not be the same process or the same pain that you're feeling. Maybe you're frustrated about something completely different. But I want to encourage you. If God has you in that hiding season, it's because he loves you. It's because you're not ordinary. It's because he has a plan for your life and he's working those things. Would you cooperate with him in that place? Would you let him do what he wants to do in building intimacy and building your faith for the supernatural and going after him and submitting to his authorities that he may have placed in your life? I'm telling you what, if you do, you'll be ready. You'll be ready. Would you stand to your feet today? As the worship team comes up, perhaps you're here and you're going, wow, you know what? I've been in that place of hiding and I've just kind of surrendered it all to God and I've gotten used to it and man, I'm good, I'm good. You know what, I want to speak to you for a second. Be ready because God may be activating. He may be calling your number sooner than you realize. He may be saying, yeah, thank you. Yes, you've surrendered. Yes, you've trusted me. Yes, you've built intimacy with me. But hey, boom, I'm getting ready to open a door. I'm getting ready to do something in your life. I'm getting ready to promote you. I'm getting ready to give you a voice. I'm getting ready to give you influence. I'm getting ready to use you in a greater way. Are you ready then to step out in faith? Are you ready to believe me to see the impossible be made possible? I want to encourage you, church. God wants to do amazing things through you, through everybody in this room, through everybody at all of our campuses. If you will listen for the voice of God, if you will let him move you, if you will step by step trust in him, you will see the impossible played out before your very own eyes to the glory of God. Hey, as we respond to God tonight, I would encourage you, if you want to just worship Jesus right there where you are, you're welcome to do that. If you want to sit or kneel or just, just find a place to say, God, man, here I am. Here is all of me. Surrender to him in that way. If you want to step out and partake of communion, we'll have stations here at the front. You're welcome to do that reminding ourselves that Jesus is our forerunner, that he ran the race, that he went through those hidden places. For 30 years he was hidden until God said, okay, now. And he walked in the fullness of what God had planned for his life. Maybe you want to partake of communion, remind yourself that you're in him and he's in you. If you want prayer, we've got people at the back. They'll be happy to pray with you, agree with you, to see doors open or for grace in the middle of the hiding place. Or perhaps if everything's going great, then for wisdom to use the influence and the open door that God has given you. Whatever you want to do, let's just connect with him. Draw near to the Lord and let him speak to our hearts during this time.